You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Indians Baseball Insider before that. Now all of Locked On. Uh, the volume's looking high on my mic. I'm not sure what is occurring. Hopefully it is not bad. Let me know if you are a listener out there how this one sounds. Two-parter. So I know I originally talked that I was going to do Prospects 15 through 30 on Thursday, but I should have known these crossover episodes are all running long. So we're going to do part one of the crossover today, part two on Thursday. Friday, we're going to try the Locker Room app. It's a new app through iOS that we are partnering with. So if you want to come in and join the chat, uh, I'm not exactly 100% sure how it works, I have to be honest, but people can like type questions. I think people can actually uh, ask questions directly as well. So check that out. Unfortunately, it is only on iOS right now. I'm going to use iOS to open it and then run it through the computer. Uh, hopefully it'll be on Android soon, and we're going to be doing one of those a week thanks to a new partnership with them as well. Uh, if you're not up for that, I'm going to take the audio, cut it, and create the Friday podcast. So while I will be up for taking questions there, I'm also going to be talking some prospects. Now we've had this almost two-minute intro at the top of the podcast here. This is my uh, interview with Rylan from Locked On Royals. I have talked with Rylan multiple times before. I remember... Uh, Last year, I believe, he and I were talking about some draft prospects with the Royals. Uh, he also runs Locked on uh, Thunder. And in spite of me knowing him, uh, I called him Ryan multiple times in this podcast. Uh, I, I'm just going to blame general fatigue and being dyslexic. But uh, I apologize profusely to him multiple times when I realized at the end of the show when he said his name, what I had done. So yes, that is in there. It's like the worst thing I can do is butcher the person I'm talking to's name, but at the same time, if you've been a long-time listener to the podcast, butchering names is what I do. So I hope you enjoy this talk. It's very interesting from the perspective that uh, Royal, you know, Rylan and Royals fans, I was kind of surprised that they think that, that, like, that they're legitimately contenders for the third place in the division. Um, they're pitching... You know, they have some young arms. We'll see if they can step up. But I've talked about before, I kind of like the Tigers' young arms better. Uh, the, they've got some players, but it's not a team. It's a team that still feels a little bit early to me, which is why some of the Bobby Witt talk, which will, has been something hotly talked about uh, during the baseball season in the last few weeks, I should say, of the spring training season, uh, that comes up. And we, we dig into all of that. I do feel a little bad uh, in this conversation because the Royals... I'm not the biggest Dayton Moore fan, and I'm not, I haven't been the biggest Bobby Witt or Brady Singer fan. Uh, my scouting reports do not match the Royals. We tend to have drastically different views a good chunk of the time, but they also have some prospects I really adore in Asa Lacey and Kyle Isabel. And didn't get a chance to talk about them. Uh, Coffin Stadium is one of my favorite parks. I get to talk about that a little bit, but I, I probably come off. Uh, let's put it this way. I don't think anyone who is a listener of Lockdown Royals is going to be subscribing to Lockdown Indians after this one. But uh, we're going to have one of our commercial breaks here at the start, and then we're going to dive into the conversation. So 
again, uh, let me know about the volume. It's very odd. Like I don't even have, normally I have to have my microphone like almost in my mouth, it feels like. And I have it a good foot and a half away from me right now. Uh, and the levels are still pretty high, which I think long term would be better for the show. Uh, I just got to figure out how to manage this because then I'm not right on it. And then when I take a second to breathe, you guys don't have to hear that sound, which I hate hearing when I go through and do edits. Uh, and I know I don't catch them all if I'm being honest. But as I stated, we're going to have a quick sponsor break right here. And then you can hear my conversation with Rylan. It's very interesting because, again, it is that perspective of a team that thinks that uh, they're going to knock off the Indians this year. Our first fantastic sponsor is Built Bar. Uh, I know I talked about it. I'd have my new <laughs> order to talk about. Uh, that cookie dough was such a big order that things are delayed. I contacted customer service and you know what happened? Things don't work perfectly. Their customer service got back to me within two hours. They were, and this is what I love. They were just honest. They were like, we got slammed more than expected. It caused some delays. Uh, I appreciate that honesty. They gave me a gift card, which not everyone's doing anymore. I've run into some issues with companies and it's amazing how bad customer service has gotten or how little customer service is able to give you anything when an error does occur. And I'm not saying this as a way as a negative. I'm saying that's fantastic customer service. Things aren't going to always go great. Built Bar is still out there taking care of you, looking out for you. Let's go check out the matchup today over on the Built Bar bracket. It is uh, peanut butter brownie versus coconut almond. Coconut almond had the buy. Peanut butter brownie knocked off raspberry. Oh, I love both these flavors. I, I like them a lot. Uh... You know, I think there are other coconuts I like more, so I'm going to go with peanut butter brownie in this one. We'll find out who advances. You can't go wrong with either of those flavors, and you can't go wrong with Built Bar because even when something does go wrong, they're sitting there, they're taking care of it, they're getting in front of it. I will let you guys know all about the cookie dough flavor, which is so good. It has caused uh, them consternation because they have sold so many. Go check it out for yourself. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON20. While I have you here, go check out Locked On Today with Peter Bukowski. All the sports news you need, 20 minutes or less. Locked On Today, one of our newest podcasts here on the Locked On Network. And I want to give one more disclaimer here. Uh, no, this is not the conversation. I was talking with Ryland and I said, hey, can you hear my kid in the background? Because we were recording earlier in the day because he has to do two podcasts. That's a lot every day. And he said, no, she's been fine. Well, she proceeded to get a little louder after this. So I am hoping that it has mostly been cut out at points where I can. Uh, but if you do hear that in the background, that's why I normally wait till after bedtime to record. Sometimes it doesn't work out. As uh, in this one, you might get to hear my three-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, I know at one point she came over and opened the door, and at another point she pretended that uh, it was frozen and that she was uh, seeing if Elsa wanted to build a snowman. If you have kids, you know what it's like. But that was... Some of the background, I do apologize for that noise, and I just wanted to be upfront and honest that it can occur. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Locked On crossover edition. Today, I am talking with Ryan from the Locked On Royals and Locked On Thunder. Uh, give shout outs to both. Uh, hi, Ryan. It's great to talk with you. Talk some baseball. It is exactly that. It's amazing to talk some baseball. We've almost made it to, to uh, opening day. It's going to get fun. It's going to get fun real quick. Yeah, the Royals are uh, certainly an interesting team. Uh, I have, I'll i be honest, I've been a little bit critical on the rebuild uh, through the beginning times. I just, 
I always like the teardown approach, which isn't always uh, everyone's favorite, but it is a fun team, especially for, I think, my listeners with a combination of Carlos Santana and then, you know, Andrew Benintendi was a Cincinnati kid. He's an Ohio kid. So there's there's multiple Ohio ties with this Kansas City group that uh, on top of just being an interesting young team with what feels like arms for days. Yeah, just a stockpile of, of arms and still more coming up. Bobby Witt Jr. is stealing all the headlines and and they're in a unique spot. You mentioned the reboot there. I, I mean, this is a team that from all levels say that they want to win from ownership down to the players. They've made moves to try to compete. Are the moves going to work? Who knows, but they might. So it's kind of a fun time. I think that the expectation level is probably you're hoping this is the year that you get kind of competitive. You get to that third place. And then next year you add some more pieces and you try to go for the postseason. But if you ask the players, you ask the ownership or, or Dayton Moore, they think this team this year can, can go to the playoffs. I think that's a bit out there without the expanded postseason, but anything can happen. Yeah. The, I won't lie Uh, as an outside observer, the Bobby Witt junior talk, like when I saw people, you know, talking about uh, BWJ making the Royals, I'm like, huh, who's that? And then it took me a while to put it together. And I I didn't expect it to be quite yet. I, I, I guess my question is as someone who follows this team, does he honestly, I mean, no one got to see him last year, so we don't have an idea like how ready he feels. Like what's, I know fans are always going to be excited when a young player of, you know, his magnitude comes up, but what's the overall feel and view on this Bobby Witt Jr. situation as it continues to develop? I mean, it's tough, right? Because for Royals fans, for me, I'm 23 years old. I've never seen George Brett play a baseball game in my life. So in my lifetime, I've never seen a player that can play the way Bobby Witt Jr. can play, that can kind of be that transcendent star. I mean, even that 2014, 2015 team, that was a good collection of guys. None of those guys are, are the transcendent star that will be an attention grabber for your franchise and for your city uh, outside of just major league baseball circles. Bobby Witt Jr. can be that highlight play. He can be that highlight player. Uh, you know, he can be that Patrick Mahomes at the other side of the parking lot, so to say. He can be that Tatis type of guy. So, of course, this is the first time since George Brett that the Royals have had that. And you're going to try to rush that if you're if you're a fan. And it's coupled with Dayton Moore last year, having Brady Singer on the opening day roster against Cleveland and, and throwing away that service time. It's, it's a tough position to be in for the Royals because here's a guy in Bobby Witt Jr. who has never played above Arizona Fall League Baseball. He didn't go to college. And he had a really good summer camp last year. He had really good exhibition games last year against the Cardinals and the Astros. He's being really good in spring training. He's hit all the benchmarks. He just hasn't gone to spring training yet, or I mean, some of the minor league season yet in the actual minor leagues. But is he a better option than Nicky Lopez? That's who you'd be replacing him with. You know, I think that the answer to that is probably yes already, despite how crazy and out there it seems. But you don't want to rush that. You, you don't want to rush his development and, and maybe hurt his development. Although I would say that he's a son of a big leaguer. He's been around this game so long that I don't think if he fails out of the gates, it will be disastrous for his career. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a win-win position. If you don't evaluate this in the hindsight, right? I think right now I can justify either move to send him down or to call him up for Dayton Moore. And then you let the chips fall. Where they may in the future. The really scary thing is though, he's 20 years old. So if, even if he is really good right out of the gate and you call him up, and things are cooking. Things are just amazing. You have a six-year window now where you've got to win with him because I know this new ownership group has gotten a ton of good PR from signing Carlos Santana. 
and signing Mike Miner and signing Michael A. Taylor and trading for Andrew Benatendi. But that does not translate to paying $400 million, which we've never seen Kansas City do. Maybe the Shermans will. Maybe Mahomes will. But we've never seen Kansas City do that. So you really want to start that arbitration clock right now on this 20-year-old who, if he's as good as they say, he'll be a free agent at 26, be playing a premier position shortstop, and you're going to shell out $400 million? I don't know when you want to start this clock for Bobby Witt Jr. For me, I think you play the service time game, and I think that if this team gets off to a hot start in April, which they very well could, then you call him up to bolster this roster, and you see if you can make a wild card run. But again, that's the tough part for Dayton Morris because I can justify either pathway he wants to go because I do think Bobby Witt Jr., even at 20 years old, even with those qualifiers, is a better option than Nicky Lopez and a better option than Hansel Alberto. So what are we talking about here? Like, like put your best team on the field, which is what Kansas City has been trying to do this entire time while other teams are tearing it down. They're trying to maximize and build their team the best way that they can. It's a tough spot. I feel like it's interesting, too, because the, the book on him has always been positive in terms of his defense. But is there a situation or a world where maybe it makes the most sense more than anything else to let him play this year in the minors, kind of delay the clock, as you talked about, and maybe – I Mondesi is what he is. And I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a force offensively, but I mean, defensively there's enough there that in another year when there's two years of team control to maybe use him as a trade asset. Uh, we saw what the shortstop market looked like and we know the, but the free agent market, what it's going to look like, but at the same time, all those free agents are going to be expensive. There's still that lower tier of teams like the Cincinnati reds, for instance, that could very much be looking for a shortstop. And if, if you, Again, I think Bobby Witt's natural home is short. I believe, you know, he's always talked about wanting to play there. Is there just maybe a logic beyond service time or beyond how ready he is by Mondesi's are in that spot already and that maybe another year with some slight incremental improvement, they could use him as a, as a pretty valuable trade asset with two years of control. Yeah, it's interesting because you really have a set team here in Kansas City for the most part because – you know, are you going to move Dozier again? I mean, you've kind of moved them back to third base already. I think that the next logical step for Dozier is play third base for these two years with Santana at first. And then when Santana's gone, you slide Dozier over first and that opens up third base for you. Again, the the thing is that they love Mondesi. I mean, they love him to death. The fans do, the organization does. No matter how many times that he disappoints for 90% of the year, as long as he has that last 10% as a good season like he did in the final stretch of September. If he has that kind of September, everyone's going to be back on board Mondesi. So it's always hard to evaluate Mondesi in that sense because he just seems to have unlimited chances and unlimited lives in Kansas City. I think that ultimately this is a make or break year for Mondesi though. I think that you have to see at least a below average hitter, at least a an average to below average hitter with that defense. He cannot be a disaster at the plate for majority of the season and then have one good week and you say, okay, well, that's the week that'll carry through an entire winter and he'll pick back up in April the same way he did the last week. Mondesi is interesting. And I think that he's not worth, you know, he's not worth taking wit out of his natural position beyond this year. If you want to make that move this year, of course you put wit at second base and you put Nicky Lopez in the minors or on the bench, whatever the case may be, and you move on about your day. But next year and years past that, if Mondesi shows no improvement, then you get wit to his natural position. You get wit to the position he wants to play and you just figure something else out with Mondesi because he's not really that valuable. I was just, I was kind of curious as, as you were talking about wit and I was like, oh, shortstop. I went over and looked at Mondesi's baseball savant data. And it is interesting just when you look at 2019 to 2020, 
both years, 99th percentile in sprint speed. Anyone who follows baseball remotely should not be surprised by that. But outs above average at 94th percentile and 95th percentile. Uh, so, you know, that defensive value. And then I, I think if there's a positive or something where Royals fans could get excited is the 2019 exit velocity at 38th, 2020 jumped to 78th. So, I mean, everything else is ugly. <laughs> you weren't lying when you talked about um, the production. I mean, he doesn't hit for average. He strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk. It's, but that, I mean, I guess the th- that's one of those things like catcher and shortstop, the bar is so low. Um I, I, like I said, as an outsider's perspective of always someone who's trying to uh, figure out how to move pieces and sell off and kind of do what the Indians do, where they trade pieces here or there to supplement the core, but continue to build your minders. I think I might've said minders instead of minors, uh, but I mean, Mondesi, I just think he's, he's fascinating because athleticism, people always love that. And he's shown that defensive ability. Uh, I, I mean, Indians fans know that well. It's like uh, Ahmad Rosario has kind of been a disappointment by and large in his time with the Mets, but he was still a substantial trade piece because athleticism and up the middle talent. It seems like those things uh, just never fade. Teams will always be interested in up the middle athleticism. Yeah, especially in Kansas City. I mean, they prioritize defense so much. That's why Michael A. Taylor's roaming in the outfield right now, and and you send down guys like Lee. I mean, uh, Kyle Isbell and. Uh, Edward Levieras, who are much better hitters than, than Michael A. Taylor, but he has the defense. So they're always going to value defense in Kansas city. And that's where Mondesi gets a lot of credit there. Uh, I still think that Mondesi can do it, can be a below average hitter because if he is simply below average, it's not a high bar. If he's below average with that amazing defense, then he becomes a valuable player, but he, he has to be at least below average. He cannot be disastrous. Yeah. We have our own equivalent with the Oscar Mercado. Like he is basically our center field equivalent of that. Uh, I, I'm hoping to see Kyle Isabel as an outside, uh, perspective is very high on him out of UNLV. I want to say sometimes it all blends together. I feel, and I think that's a fun thing as an outsider watching this team and, you know, it, the minors we've already seen the first breaking of talent, uh, maybe seeing someone like Lynch this year or Kowar talked about Isabel and, and the like, it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate all of these players, I guess my next question then is as they're integrating, we talked about the idea of, well, it might make sense. You know, Bobby Witt's probably going to want to play shortstop to move Mondesi. What about some of these other players on the roster? Is there any other pieces that you think, I mean, they're so close to, to, as you talked about, I mean, they, they've talked about trying to make the playoffs this year. Are there any other players or pieces that you think could be moved or could be considered tradable assets before this year is done as they kind of continue to move forward? Time for another quick sponsor break. BetOnline.ag, uh, one of the primary sponsors for the entire uh, Lockdown Network. And why are they a fantastic sponsor? Well, it's you can go there and bet on anything. It's not just sports. You can go look at uh, reality TV, award shows. They're always changing, always updating. There's always new information on BetOnline.ag. If sports gambling is your thing... This is the place to go. This is where you're going to find the information and all that stuff. We talked about the lines when I talked to the guys from Lockdown White Sox. It's always interesting to go see what, you know, because you know when there is a betting line that they are well invested in their time and research. So it's interesting to go kind of see what that is producing. And even just as a sports fan, there's in about there's information when you go and you look at that line. Compare, it's giving you 
kind of, I, I mean, no kind of, it's giving you basic information of the likelihood of success. You can go check that out along with many other things on betonline.ag. Remember, use the promo code locked on to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Fantasy baseball had fallen off a bit, but a ton of the hosts got together this year and did a fantasy baseball league. Go check out Locked On Fantasy. There's going to be, I'm sure, a lot of great chatter and uh, junk talking between uh, what's going on with uh, some of those owners in Locked On Fantasy. Go get some great information for yourself. Check out the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast today. I mean, I, I think if you get off to a terrible start and this team just isn't winning and they're out of it by June and it's just that bad, maybe you can trade Wit. I mean, maybe, you know, Wit Merrifield that is, not by Wit Jr., Wit Merrifield. But I just don't really see the trade asset on this team because, you know, again, Holland, maybe Greg Holland, if you're just out of it and somebody's a bullpen arm, but they, they've kind of positioned themselves where everybody kind of has too many years left you know, and, and too much control left. Jorge Soler is another guy that can be really volatile because he's a free agent in 2022. But if he's good at that point, you'd expect your team to be good. Cause I think this lineup will really go as he goes. So it's interesting. And I think that the, the difficult part about this in Kansas City is that there's not really that blue chip trade prospect to kind of cash in Duffy's on the final year of his deal, uh, but who really wants Danny Duffy in 2021, unless he'll take on a bullpen role, which is the only role he's ever been successful in. That's kind of it is Danny Duffy. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I was going through and Greg Holland was the name that popped in my mind as I was looking at it. It's, but you know, I have probably gone too long without, um, excuse me there, uh, mentioning Carlos Santana. Well loved, uh, and well not loved during his time in Cleveland. He was kind of all over the place. Uh, a guy who wrote his name into the record books. A lot of Indians fans don't necessarily appreciate or realize just how high he is in many categories. Second all time, I believe in the entire franchise and walks, but, uh, very much a down year, but obviously the Royals saw something there where they were willing just to write it off as a 2020 issue. Uh, what's he been like in camp? What are they saying? What's it, uh, you know, he personally, he's one of my favorite players the last 20 years. I'd love to hear how things are going with, uh, with Los down there. Yeah. It's, it's funny because Brady Singer, who has of course made his major league debut uh, last year in that 60 game season had the funniest quote about Santana and that, he said, oh, I hated facing that guy. I'm so glad he's on our team now. Because it's kind of the standard stuff you say. It's just funny that Danny Duffy had a – I mean, not Danny Duffy. Uh, Brady Singer, who had his debut last year and faced Santana a handful of times, is just already saying, oh, yeah, I hated facing that guy as if he's some 20-year-old veteran, you know, some 20-year veteran. I think with Santana, you hope that you know what you're going to get from him. You hope that he'll add some base on balls to this to this lineup that struggles to get on base, struggles to draw walks. I mean, they're – They've been abysmal for what feels like 20 years at drilling walks. And so hopefully Santana can do that. He's been solid as can be in camp, especially for the kind of veteran that he is. The scary thing about this lineup is what you mentioned right there is that the down year in 2020, I like to throw that all out because, you know, Hunter Dozier dealt with COVID and ramifications of COVID all last year. He mentioned that he didn't get his stamina and fatigue and it was all wearing on him up until the final day of the regular season. Then he started feeling like himself again. So I think that COVID played a big deal in this. The stress of all that played a big deal in all this. Uh, so I like to throw out 2020 myself. But the scary thing is, what if that's who he really is? Like the, the Royals lineup up and down, I know what I'm going to get from Whit Merrifield, but you could see the rest of this lineup go either way. You could see Benatendi bouncing back. 
you could see him be running bad. Same with Mondesi, same with Santana, same with Salvador Perez, who was just on fire last year in half of a 60-game season. I don't think he's going to be that. I don't think that'll be a, a world-beating hitter where he'll be one of the best in baseball, but I think I think that he'll be a serviceable enough hitter, an above-average hitter, and then you move on from there. Like you said, the, center, the catcher position really helps out there. You know, it's, it's limited, so you don't expect too much from the catcher, and Perez is one of the upper echelon hitters, I think, for this year coming up as a catcher. And again, Jorge Soler, he can go either way. Soler can be abysmal. He could be the home run champ. It, you just don't know. And Dozier, same way, bouncing back there. And then you know that, I mean, the one thing that you do know besides what Maryfield is that you know that Nicky Lopez and Michael A. Taylor are not going to be good at the plate. So those are the three certainties, and two of them are bad. So that's the question mark for Kansas City is what will this lineup be? Because you can you can look glass half full or empty at this Rose lineup. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I think, you know, for Indians fans, we tend to look at the White Sox and the Twins, and those are the teams like the, you know, the three teams that all made the playoffs last year. I talked about it a little bit. It is interesting just to look at this Royals team and how many Indians connections there are or Ohio connections. Uh, I talked about Santana and I talked about Benintendi. You got Bradley Zimmer's brother, Kyle, who uh, the Zimmer brothers are apparently made of paper mache is the one thing we've learned over the years with the two of them. And even Asa Lacey, your top prospect was a former Indians draft pick. So I think for Indians fans, you may not be looking at the Royals as much. It is a, it's a young team, which is always fun, but it's a team that has more Cleveland connections than you could think. And I mean, maybe the biggest Cleveland connection is no team has hurt the Cleveland Indians and their chances of success in the last 10 years more than the Royals because uh, John Sherman was up to, we think maybe 30% ownership in the Indians before he left. And uh, the Indians payroll is now, uh, fighting the Pirates for the lowest in baseball. So while it doesn't always come up or that we view other teams as bigger rivals, uh, this should be the rival team. Like I said, no team has had a greater impact on the Cleveland Indians in the last 10 years than the Kansas City Royals is something I like to bring up when I can. It, it is interesting to see. And uh, with the new ownership there and just how well they seem to do everything last year and how well they treated humans like humans in a hard time, uh, how excited are fans for this Sherman ownership group? Sherman has done a brilliant job in Kansas City. And I think that that rivalry that you mentioned will get heated up, especially this year, because I think third place in this division comes down to Kansas City and Cleveland. I think that Minnesota and Chicago are one, two, whichever order you want. And then it's going to be who gets that third spot in this division. And third spot in this division with the cross divisional play of playing the NL Central, who's in, which is an abysmal division, that can still be within a puncher's reach of a, of a playoff spot, even without the expanded postseason. So it's going to be a big deal this year watching these two teams play. But Sherman, he has been nothing short of amazing in Kansas City. And he's gotten so much good favor in Kansas City, even with the paying the minor leaguers and everything he did last year. And then also this year, adding Michael A. Taylor, adding Santana, saying all the right things. The Brady Singer not manipulating his service time last year, doing all the right things so far as the ownership group of the, of the Royals. I think that what it's done is it's gotten new life back to this fan base because the the big thing that's being said right now around Kansas City is can you imagine when this team is supposed to win? Because so I think that even with all these moves, nobody outside of Kansas City believes in Kansas City. Now, I think that everyone can acknowledge that, hey, this lineup has some stuff in it. You know, if, if everyone clicks at the same time and they're all living up to their 100% potential, then this lineup can be really good. But when does that ever happen in a season in which everyone is, is on at the same time and they're all playing at that 100% peak, uh, you know, peak of their powers? 
it, it hardly ever happens. So this lineup basically will not be as good as it is on paper right now, but still, it can still happen. This can still be a playoff team. They're still going for it in a pandemic whenever other owners are actively trying to get worse. The Royals are actively trying to exploit that market and improve their team any way that they can. And it could result in the playoffs this year, which is a big deal for Kansas City. I think that the biggest thing here is that, is that phrase. Can you imagine what's going to happen whenever this team's supposed to be good? Because if he's already adding to this team, when he has every excuse not to, the team wasn't very good last year. The team was not very good the year before that. The team... The team's in a pandemic. They didn't get to have tickets last year. No fans last year. They're losing money. He had every excuse not to actively build this team, not to go get even the free agency did get with Santana and Miner and all those guys. But he still did it. He still went out there. He still added to this team and added to the payroll. So that gives fans hope, right or wrong, and we'll see if we're right or wrong in a couple of years this team is good, that whenever this team does get good, he'll be even more aggressive. He'll be even more of a spender. He'll be even more of a competitor. Because it just seems like, Sherman loves to compete and he loves to try to win. And that's what he's been selling us this entire time since he took over and even more so this off season. Yeah. I, as an Indians fan, seeing the stuff uh, since he has left, or there was talk that if the Royals hadn't opened up, that there was a deal in place for him to be the Indians owner within the next, next decade hurts my heart. Um, just because we've seen the way he's operated there and the way things like, you know, I, I'll I'll dig my trench, and I think that the Indians are still going to be second in this division, uh, just because the pitching is still there. And honestly, I think the lineup's going to be better this year than last. But it's as an Indians fan, you look at it and you go, "Man, imagine if they had you know a little bit more money to spend, just a little bit." It's not keeping you Lindor, but uh, it's it it is painful as an Indians fan that everyone is kind of waiting for them to fall apart right now. And uh, it's going to be an interesting year in the central for sure. As we know what, after years of no one trying, this is a year where it seems that everyone is making some effort, everyone, you know, for the Royals and Tigers, this is supposed to be like year one of step forward. And for the other three, they're all trying to make it. And while there is another 33 minutes to go, uh, this is actually a pretty good natural stopping point in the conversation. Next time, we'll start right off with Rylan asking me about my thoughts on the division, and we'll go from there. I hope you enjoyed our talk. Make sure to tune in Thursday for part two, and I will post links and information about the locker room app. Again, it's only iOS for now if you're interested. It should be something interesting if you're not interested. Um, I know we're averaging lower numbers in the room because it's a new piece of app, a new piece of technology. Uh I'll just run with my next 15 prospects. There's a backup with it. One way or another, I will be recording Friday uh, in a situation where people can be interactive and take part. So I'll have that information to follow. Uh, Probably going to be doing that. Nope, not probably. I would say late evening Thursday uh, is when we will record possibility earlier. Let's put it this way. Based on my schedule, it's either going to be 5.30 Eastern Time or I'm probably going to be recording sometime around maybe uh, 9 Eastern Time. So those would be the two blocks uh, with more information to follow. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. I almost forgot it there. And for the next year, at least, go Tribe.